1: Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. It's been a crazy week here, but mostly good. You may have noticed that the website was down for just about a week. Uh, Fortunately, we got to the bottom of the issue, and we're back up. Also, just this past week, I was honored to deliver the keynote at Startup Conference Sandbox Live. Big thanks to Christopher Lomax for inviting me to speak. I was fortunate to make some great new connections and also connect in person with some TFR fans. And also big thanks to Jules Weinstein, Christy Ross, and Tony Batista for inviting me on Tasty Trades Bootstrapping in America program. For those of you that don't know Tasty Trade, it's a financial news and entertainment network based in Chicago. Many of the top entrepreneurs and investors have been on the program, and even four of our portfolio companies have made an appearance. So for today's episode, I am posting the audio from my appearance on Bootstrapping in America. And if you'd like to watch a video of it, jump on the site at fullratchet.net and I'll include the video there. Okay, here's my interview with Christy Ross and Tony Batista on Bootstrapping in America.
2: Bootstrapping in America.
1: Bootstrapping in America. Back. Bootstrapping in America.
2: We are back. I'm Christy Ross. This is Tony Batista, and this is Bootstrapping in America, where we interview some of the hottest entrepreneurs in Chicago and beyond. Our guest today is the founder and general partner of New Stack Ventures, which is an early stage venture firm investing in founders, creating markets at the intersection of hardware and software. Our guest has spent time as both an investor and an operator. He has worked in MA, mergers and acquisitions for Danaher a science and technology conglomerate. He earned his bachelor's from University of Indiana and master's from University of Virginia. We have Nick Moran. Welcome, Nick.
0: I think you got it all. <laughs> Thanks for having
2: me. We were going to go to page here. two. <laughs> 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 just, to, it, just to at least give like a little bit of background as we, as we jump in. So let's start with... Um, let's call it just the venture landscape, VC landscape in general, investing landscape uh, yeah. for entrepreneurs. Uh, talk about that a little bit and what you saw as an opportunity in launching, in launching your firm.
0: Well, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of entrepreneurship. We've seen the ecosystem grow here significantly over the past five years. Um, and I think the opportunity is only going to grow over the next decade. So many investors talk about the renaissance over the past 10 years that we've seen in technology and startup investing, but I think that the next 10 years are going to make the last 10 look like nothing.
2: So why um, early stage? You 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 basically invest in companies that are early stage, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, from a return standpoint, the earliest stage has the best return profile versus Series A or Series B, Series C. Um, and... You know, on top of that, the way to get in into the industry and the way to get established is to go early. So if you can carve out a niche, get access to proprietary deal flow, get into competitive competitive deals at the early stage, that's really the way into venture. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to go out and raise a two hundred million dollar fund and operate at the Series B stage, sure, right sure. out the gate. So, so,
1: so it's a, actually not a double-edged sword, but there's two ways to look at it. You, the first thing you mentioned was opportunity, and I would imagine with the uh, new ventures, meaning a new early startup getting in early, the, the, gr- the goal of a larger win is there. You also have the goal of the larger risk, but less money into it, so a number of occurrences pretty much kind of dominates, I would imagine.
0: Absolutely. Risk right. profile is much higher, return profile is higher, but you right. can mitigate the risk profile by diversifying. Sure. So you know my investments will be in 30 plus companies mm-hmm. for my fund um, to manage some of that that uh, diversification and the risk yeah. and
2: what would you say is is your horizon your timeline on that right because you have some you have some that come in late stage and say this is going to be you know we, we're on a five- year horizon right or even a seven year um, or a two-year. Sure. Do you have something that you you come in with a, a preconceived notion of where you wanna um, exit?
1: Tomorrow so, would be the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if we Not could, what's your true, if only tomorrow, ROIs would but be nice. True <laughs>
2: expectations. Are.
0: Yeah, the true expectation is typically a ten-year fun life. So people operating at my my stage usually have about a ten-year fun life. pre seed. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, and so how involved? How involved do you personally get in these companies?
0: Pretty involved. I mean, so I was an operator. I built a product, a very successful product. Uh, It was a hardware product that also had a SaaS offering on top of it and used a consumable um, as well. And so I look for businesses that have that business model. It's the intersection of hardware and software with a recurring revenue stream. So if I can find a business like that, I can help from an operational standpoint, because I was an operator and I built a product and I spent many years doing that. Um, And I can help from a fundraising standpoint. Uh, So I've got what I think is probably one of the largest networks uh, for a Midwest VC. Uh, I've driven my network through my podcast. And so I have access to a lot of Series A and Series B venture capitalists that other folks don't. So I'm trying not only to invest in the best early-stage companies, but accelerate my existing portfolio. You know, take the Jonathan Trebles or the uh, David Cones you've had on the show Mm -hmm. and take them and get them funding from the best VCs in the country at the highest valuations.
2: So talk about your podcast a little bit. Yeah. What do do you, um, how long have you been doing it? And and what are the topics that you're normally covering?
0: Yeah. So we were the first venture capital podcast we launched just about three years ago. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz launched their podcast the same month. Um, But yeah, it's the best rated and reviewed podcast on iTunes. Uh, I interview venture capitalists and super angels. Um, So some of the folks that you've had on the program, I've had as well. It's national in focus. So it's not Chicago focus, but I have had some Chicago VCs on the program. Um, and, yeah, I've built a, a nice audience uh, of folks, uh, entrepreneurs and investors that listen. And I've been able to sort of migrate those people to my investment vehicle. So my angel group, which exists online, is called a syndicate on Angelist. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm Italian. Let's not talk about the <laughs> it's alleged, okay? alleged syndicate. It's a legend. It's a legend. Okay, legend syndicate. The alleged syndicate. <laughs> the, yeah. Syndicate? Okay. Okay. Uh, it's okay. about 140 folks. So accredited angels across the country. What's a super angel? You just mentioned that. Is that somebody who's
1: really, really, really accredited? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> super angels are p- folks that usually invest 50 grand and above per deal. Very cool. Um, your regular angel, you know, our minimums are low. Twenty five hundred bucks. So if you're an angel and you want to build a diversified portfolio, you can opt into the group. It's no fee, no membership, no initiation. And then you get to see what we're investing in, and you can opt into those if you want at really low minimums. So it's a it's a way as a startup investor to build a diversified portfolio, whereas most folks, at least the way I started, I was cutting 50K checks per deal. Mm-hmm. And then you know my investable assets in this asset class were evaporating quickly. Right. Um, so I had to figure out better ways to diversify and, and provide that same benefit to others.
2: Right. So I have one, one more question on your podcast. What are yeah. some of the questions that you really focus on? What are some of the, the specific questions you ask when you interview them?
0: Yeah. So I started out with what I call VC 101 and Angel 101. So the first 10 episodes are like, what's the difference between a VC and an angel? Uh, what's deal flow? What are the stages of, of financing? What does a term sheet look like? What are the important control and economic terms in a, in a term sheet? So I started out with 101, then we went to 201 and 301. So it really operates like an education program. And now we're into all the electives. So I had David Cowan on, you know, one of the most famous investors in the country. He's at Besmer, midas list guy. And he talked about space tech investing because he's got a thesis around space technology and CubeSats and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, we go into the electives. I'll go deep on space. I'll go deep on hardware, um, artificial intelligence. Take your pick.
2: I love that. I love that. Uh-huh, so, for sure. um, so I'm going to jump back then to the smaller investors. Yes. Um, you know, just twenty five hundred dollars. So, do you? What's the, the demographic of your investors? Are they mostly older? Or do you get some young? Do you get some younger um, angel investors?
0: Yeah, we've got some young angel investors. I think the youngest is probably twenty five. So some people, you know, that had a technology exit at a really young age. Maybe they were a trader and they did well. Um, so yeah, I would say the average age range is probably 25 to 45, somewhere in there. Okay. Lots of folks in their 30s. Right. So your traditional localized angel group, you know, we have a, a bunch of those here in Chicago. The demographic is a little older. It's a little more of a social club, whereas mine is skews a little younger, more technologists, more more entrepreneurs that have had successes. Sure.
2: So, you had background in M&A. I mean, yeah. doing mergers and acquisitions. What, uh, you know, really looking at that now, being able to apply that to what you're doing here seems, you know, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, all of those, that skill set you can apply here. But what are some of the biggest thing? you know, biggest Experiences or most most notable experiences that you went through on the M and A team that you now can
0: apply. It's a good question. Um, I think I learned how to construct a thesis. So they gave me. We operated. I was in the aerospace and defense group. It was about a billion dollars in revenue in companies, and they gave me the license to create a thesis. So what sub-sectors of aerospace and defense should we operate in? Why should we play there? And then who are the companies that are in that segment that we should either target for acquisition or make an investment in? Um, So crafting a thesis, crafting a strategy, and knowing where your strengths are as an investor is probably the best toolkit I got from that and have applied to to Newstack.
2: How many different deals have you been in when you look back at your career?
0: Uh, Over 30. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And how many companies are you invested in right now?
0: So between my partner and I, we've done over eighty deals. But okay. as an active lead investor doing a six-figure check, we've done six. Okay. Uh, a few of which are s- can in you Chicago. Security
1: number. In-
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to get it in there real quick. Sorry about that. I'll tell you after the show. Yeah. There you
2: go. <laughs> and you so so you have six. It's like having children, though. You can't necessarily pick your. Pick your favorite one.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> no. absolutely. Mm-mm. Yeah, I could not pick. They're all they're all fantastic. They're all actually doing well and have raised up rounds. So so far, things are looking good. Yeah, we've awesome. had
2: four out of the six. I believe so. On mm-hmm. on uh, sure. on the show. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's right. So, yeah. can you talk a little bit about each of them? I mean, we don't. I know we don't have that much time, but just sort of to to solidify the type of businesses you're looking at. Just talk through um, some of them. If you can.
0: Yeah, so a few examples that would sort of substantiate my thesis. So you've had Tavala on the program. Mm -hmm. That's a uh, combination oven with a companion meal plan. So it's kind of like Blue Apron or Plated, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to actually make the meal. Um, And so that is an example of a hardware device that's connected to the Internet. And it has a recurring revenue stream because of the consumables. Sure. So that's so what you we like were that looking.
1: annuity. You even said that earlier. In the, you like the
0: annuity of the recurring. It's all about the annuities. Mm-hmm. The, the benefit of smart hardware is that it's got the strengths of software, and mm-hmm. that it's got a business model like SaaS. But it avoids a lot of the weaknesses of traditional hardware.
1: So are you going back when you look at a new company to invest in, are you going back to what really got you there? Because you said you had your own company that had a SaaS uh, back end to it and That's a recurring right. billing. So you're you're kind of going with a formula that works for you that you're comfortable with and you're trying to or looking for it in reinventing
0: it with a new company. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. As a non-practitioner, it's a very attractive area to to invest in. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who is a practitioner and has done it. I can actually drive value and provide value. It
1: makes it a little bit easier to see possibly the end result um, when you don't know possibly what the business is all about. Like, you know what I mean? Like that you're investing in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see other you investors. See as a
1: food guy that, you know, you're out there cooking, you know, that you are <laughs> yeah. looking at the same type of
0: model. Yeah, from an economic model. Right. So, you know, I see some investors investing in dog walking companies mm-hmm. and space tech. And I don't know how the heck they can evaluate those two businesses efficiently sure. mm-hmm. and know what the levers for success are. Um, so the future of venture is really in specialization, either sector specialization or business model specialization. Uh, the, the generalists are are tending to die out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the problem with all these new seed funds. We can talk more about that if you want, but there's lots of generalists around. That really aren't differentiating and providing any value.
2: Yeah, talk about that a little bit more, because I think that that's, that's something that you see all the time. I mean, part of the reason you, you know, some, some, some entrepreneurs want to just find capital, right? Yes. <laughs> Especially when they're, yes. that, that seed stage, they're just happy they found, you know, someone to, to back them. But really, when you're looking for capital, you want to look for someone that can actually truly add value to your business and that has connections that can help uh, you know, move your business forward. It's not really just about the money. They really need to look broader than that. Um, but I think that there is. I think there's that problem is where there are way too, many, way too many generalists.
0: You're right. So you're right on you actually hit all three areas. So there's three ways that VCs win. And it's established. This is known. Um, You can look at the valley and see who's won and how they've won. One is by having a superior network. So we call these the access VCs. So they see the most deal flow. That's their tagline. We see everything. Then there's the opportunity VCs. These are the people that have built a brand. So founders want them. They want them in the round. They've got a venture firm that everyone knows that creates a ton of value. So those are the opportunity VCs. And then the third bucket is really the capability VCs. So those are the folks that have a specialty in a certain area, they've got a focus, they can really drive value, and they can select the right opportunities. So if you're not doing one of those three things, if you're just a generalist and don't have a network advantage, a branding advantage, or an expertise advantage, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to look good for you. And what I'm trying to do at Newstack is all three. So the podcast has helped with the brand. It's helped me build a huge network across the country. And I've got expertise in the, in the, the hardware segment. So.
2: And, and that's something we do here because we have the content that actually helps our, helps our investors, helps our traders, and we provide the technology and we provide ultimately the brokerage firm. So it's, it really is about providing sort of that holistic approach. There you go. So I totally, totally get it. Well, so how can, how can someone reach you?
0: Uh, you can email me, nick at fullratchet.net, nick at newstack.vc. Um, I'm on Twitter. It's at the full ratchet. Uh So, yeah, reach out.
2: That's great. Fantastic. Well, we wish you the best of luck.
0: Thanks so much
1: for having me. Thanks so fun. much for coming on, Nick. We're going to take a quick 90-second break. We're going to come back. we got Liz and Jenny next with Straight Live.
0: Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more.